back to the Gazette's Fact Checker podcast. We've uh, our team has been on a little um, hiatus only because we didn't have we, we were kind of having a shortage of claims, but we're back now. Um, I'm Erin Jordan. I'm the Gazette's investigative reporter. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm the Gazette's healthcare reporter. I'm John Steppy. I'm the Gazette's business reporter. I'm Marissa Payne. I'm the Gazette's Cedar Rapids government reporter. And today we're here with you of a check um, that's not of an elected official. Um, it's not of an agency head. It's of the president of AFSME, Council 61, Danny Holman. Um, and for those of you who don't know, AFSME is the union that represents many um, correctional workers in the state, also other employees as well. Um, but uh, we we thought that the... the that these claims were ones that we wanted to check out because they're particularly newsworthy with what had, had happened a couple weeks ago with the um, uh, murder of a correctional officer and a nurse at the Anamosa State Penitentiary. So the comments that Danny Holman made, um, one was in a letter that he sent March 31st to Governor Kim Reynolds and to leaders of the Iowa House and Senate. And um, in that letter, he had said um, that Currently, there are 234 vacant positions within the Department of Corrections, including 14 vacant correctional officer positions at Anamosa. And then in, on April 6th, AFSCME had a news conference uh, outside the Capitol where Holman said, quote, there are roughly 250 vacant positions inside the Department of Corrections. Of those, 120 are correctional officers and 60 nurses. So we wanted to check these statements because the union has really been um, hitting hard at uh, the governor and the legislature for funding of the Department of Corrections, saying that lack of funding has caused the agency to understaff its prisons and leave some positions vacant because they don't have the money to fill them. So um, what made me want to check this is because there were a little bit of difference in those two numbers that Danny Holman provided. And then also they really didn't seem to match some data I had gotten from the Iowa Department of Corrections. And I thought it was important to reconcile to some degree as much as we could. And so we decided to check uh, Holman's claims. So when I asked AFSCME for sourcing materials, they sent me some documents that had been prepared by the Legislative Services Agency. Uh, this is the state's kind of nonpartisan group that does research uh, for legislators and for other agency heads. Um, and they had provided these documents to the Senate Democratic Caucus that then had provided the documents to the union. So the fact checker did circle back to the LSA and confirmed that these specific reports came from the Fiscal Services Division of the LSA. And one report is titled Animosa Positions Filled and Vacancies 3521. So it says as of April, or March 5th, there were 45 vacant positions of those authorized by law um, at Animosa. So of the 233 authorized security or correctional officer positions, 200 on that date, 219 were filled and 14 were vacant, according to this report. So the vacancy rate for correctional officer positions was 6%. So um, kind of that first statement by Holman, he talks both about the overall vacancies in the department and the 14 vacant 
correctional officer positions at Anamosa. So for the second part of that, it is accurate. Um, this LSA report confirmed there were 14 vacant positions on March 5th, which was um, the most recent pay period before Holman's statement. Um, so then at le looking at that overall vacancy number in the Department of Corrections, in his first statement, he said there were 234 vacant positions within the DOC. Then about a week later, he said there are roughly 250 vacant positions in the Department of Corrections. So um, in another report prepared by the LSA dated March 31st, it, it um, talks about the vacancies at each of the state's facilities, um, besides Anamosa, because Anamosa is covered in that first report. So that report, um, when you look at all the vacancies uh, for each of the prisons, it comes out to be 265 vacancies. Now, that means of positions authorized, um, there were 265 that were not filled as of March 31st. Um, and so that is obviously higher than both the numbers that Holman quoted. He said 234, and then he said 250. But since his point was that there are a lot of vacancies, he was, if anything, underplaying what the actual statistics were. So then looking at kind of the positional vacancies that he talks about, um, he had said at that point in time, there were 120 vacant correctional officer positions and 60 vacant nursing positions. So that second report that has all the vacancies at all the prisons it um, it says that as of March 31st, there were 122 security vacancies and 64 nursing vacancies, which matches Holman's statement from April 6th. Um, I think, you know, and, and I, I know we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, that the concern has been about staffing. Um, in the um, incident on March 23rd at Anamosa, um, a couple of inmates were, they um, had prison issued hammers and a metal grinder that they had gotten, they had checked out from the maintenance area. They both worked and had a maintenance detail at Anamosa. And then as part of an escape attempt, they used the hammers to try to break through, they broke through a glass window and were going to use the metal grinder to get through the bars. It did not work. Um, but they use the hammers. They're 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 accused of using the hammers to um, beat to death um, a correctional officer and a nurse. And so um, I think the union's position is if there was better supervision, more staffing, these sorts of things might not have happened. Um, <clears throat> so we talked a little bit about just the differences that, uh, of um, between that and the correctional um, department's numbers. So when the Gazette asked Cord Overton, a spokesman for DOC, on April 2nd for vacancy data, um, Overton said, as of March 18th, the prisons were allowed 2,540 2, employees with 54.53 unfunded and 2,360 filled. So he's, he's using different language than the um, report from the LSA. It's talking about... Um, positions that were allowed, positions that were approved to hire, and then positions that are in the process of being filled. So, and since those numbers were different, I, I was kind of wondering about that. So when I talked with the LSA um, 
they had said that physicians can be authorized, like the um, law might say you're authorized to have, um, or the legislature might say you're authorized to have X number of positions. But if your department doesn't have the budget to fill those positions, you may not, they may, those positions may not be approved to hire. And so since that's the language the Department of Corrections is using, they said these 128 positions have been approved to hire. That's a lower number than the unfilled positions that AFSCME quoted. And I think where the difference is, is that the money was not available for all those um, um, unfilled vacancies that AFSCME had uh, cited. So I, I went to the LSA yesterday, or I went to the Department of Corrections yesterday and just said, hey, can you corroborate what's going on with the, the funding, you know, and this language is being used. And they still have not gotten back to me, but I got an indication from their initial email. They might just let what the LSA stand. Um, so what the LSA said stand. So um, I can keep you guys posted about that. But okay, I've been talking for a while here. Let, I'm throw it out to you guys and um, get any feedback on this check. Yeah, I'm glad that you followed up with them about kind of the differences here between these and I mean the authorized positions versus I mean there's kind of a lot of different intricacies with this check, um, and I think if they can provide something more to that, I think that'd be helpful. But um, I think, I mean, here it seems at least pretty clear that, okay, I mean, Danny Homan's numbers were there. Um, I mean, he had something clearly to attribute that to and it was accurate and, I mean, up to date as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm glad you're double checking on that because I just had some some questions on the language. Um, you know, when uh, the the Department of Corrections talks about unfunded positions, does that mean that these positions are ones that will never be filled, or are these positions that will just exist but without the funding? I'm I, I guess like I'm I'm a little confused on the differences. If those are positions, if those are vacancies that will ever be filled, um, at least in the near future, maybe depending on how the budget changes, or if these are positions kind of on hold, I'm I'm kind of curious what that means because I think that could change the language maybe, um, as far as like whether or not the union stance that these vacancies should be filled. Um, if this is just kind of out of the Department of Corrections' power to fill. Yeah. And I mean, I think it is, if they don't have the money, of course, you know, money is fungible in some cases and you could move it from one area to another, but, um, you know, their budget is their budget. And, and I think that's something that's come up recently. There's um, a debate going on just this week on how much Department of Corrections should get in supplemental funding. Um, and I think the House Republicans have reposed, proposed 20 million dollars more for corrections in 2022 to cover delayed salary increases. Um, but I think the number is much less, maybe in the Senate, I think it's like $6 million. Mm -hmm. So um, that's still being decided right now. And that's probably part of the reason AFSCME is being out there, you know, with these numbers, trying to push that number higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a really interesting point, because at the end of the day, it is kind of a money issue, right? Um, 
so like really who is to blame here? Is it, is it the budget or is it the fact that the correction department isn't hiring enough? Um, I'm also curious if there's like concerns with like recruitment and retention. Do people not want to work in these prisons? Do they see a high turnover rate? Um, I don't know. I wonder if that's at play here, but obviously if they don't have the budget still to hire, I guess that's a moot point, but um, that's something I wondered about too, reading this. Yeah, and that doesn't, I mean, that topic is not really covered in these statements from Holman. They're specifically about numbers, but I have heard anecdotally from the prison um, or from AFSCME, and granted, AFSCME has a, a specific agenda, but they have said there's been a ton of turnover and a lot of um, officers have quit since those um, attacks, those fatal attacks. Um, and I, you know, I think that might be something for us to look into as a news gathering agency, you know, maybe not for this fact check, but I think that's a good point. Marissa, what do you think? So, um, I, I wanted to clarify, like, I guess to compare the numbers that were given to us. Um, so the like 128.63 that have been approved to hire, um, and then the 54.53 unfunded, is that supposed to compare to um, like the vacancies that AFSCME reported? I would say that the 128.63, yeah, it sounds like those are vacancies, but they say that they're being filled. So that could be anywhere in the process. Like maybe someone's gonna start tomorrow or maybe they just posted the job. But then unfunded, yeah, I mean, I think that would probably be on top of that. So that would be putting us in the range of 180 or so, if I'm doing the math right. Yeah, because then that still is, like, far under, you know, what's reported by AFSCME with, I mean, they their numbers kind of fluctuate between the, like, 230 to 260 range. And, and lower, quite a bit lower than what the LSA's report said, you know. So if if, if um, the corrections department is saying that those two numbers together would equal their vacancies, that's still far below the LSA's. One thing I was, um, you know, that found a little challenging was, um, you know, I wasn't, I was primarily started checking Holman's statements. But do we also check DOC's statements? <laughs> like, are, how many different people can we fact check in one fact check? Yeah, that's a yeah. great question. Because yeah, I think I, there's a chance if both of them have specific data that points to their case that, I mean, we could have two conflicting sets of numbers that are both accurate. Right. Or maybe maybe um, DOC's numbers are, I mean, if they don't match LSA, I do kind of wonder why they don't match LSA. Right. It raises the question, are they using different metrics than LSA is? Are they counting different positions that LSA is? I'm, I'd be curious what the, the difference between them is. Yeah, I really, I really am going to hope that they get back to me with some specific details. I'm concerned they won't because mm. 
they're really under a lot of scrutiny right now with the um, in ongoing investigations. And um, but I'll go back to them and just say, okay, so if we're adding up these two numbers, 128 and 54, it's still way below what um, what the LSA is saying. You have so. You know, or, or why are why are you not lying? You know, why? <laughs> you know, explain why you think these numbers are accurate, and what yeah. where what are we missing there? And at minimum, it sounds like I need to do a little better job explaining that, like you were calling out, Marissa. Like, let's add up what two numbers would possibly co constitute vacancies from the DOC numbers and, and kind of just try to get to apples to apples as much as we can. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also, um, I mean, with, with the ASME numbers, like the vacancy goes from, you know, at one point it's like 234 to 265. So it's at least like kind of in the same ballpark and like believable that, you know, numbers would fluctuate that much in um in like whatever time period that was looking at um so you know that at least provides a comparison point for their numbers um whereas like the doc numbers we don't really have that and since like we don't know exactly where their numbers are coming from um you know since the AFSCME numbers are coming from the lsa reports um you know just kind of like adds more questions to um you know, the logistics behind the DOC numbers. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I think we want to, it sounds like we really want to explore that part better um, just as a way, as a service to our readers. Um, I don't think, I mean, I for me, the letter grade is, if we're saying this is a check of Homan, the letter grade, I, I gave him an A. I don't know if you guys support that grade. It seems like based on your comments, you might. Yeah, I would support that grade. Um, just taking a look at Holman's statement specifically, they matched the LSA, which is a, a really good resource that we at the Fact Checker rely on a lot. Um, so I would support that. I think I think he's accurate in what he's saying. Yeah, I mean... He makes the claim we have a specific nonpartisan source to turn to that I mean completely backs up those numbers. I think this is I mean kind of a textbook A here. Yeah, I agree since it's transparent, you know, where their information is coming from and like John said that it's a nonpartisan source is important too. So the question that I have that remains, do if we can I mean, do we break out the DOC into its own little mini check and maybe have them paired up? That wouldn't be a bad idea, especially if the DOC gets back to you and, and kind of explains a little bit the logic behind their data, um, especially if they give us some solid um, a report or something solid to rely on. I think that could be worth it. Yeah, I think the tricky thing is just going to be figuring out if they don't give us more information, how right. are they measuring this? Because, I mean, we kind of only see what we can see. And 
I mean, they could have some metric that, I mean, it's kind of like how people measure, I mean, different forms of kind of, okay, I mean, you have, like for the economy, you have different indicators that can say a lot different things. If there is something that lines up with what they're doing, I mean, we just don't know that at this point, which is kind of making this a more challenging check here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, okay, so what I think I'll do is um, communicate with them when we get off the pod here and uh, just try to see if I can really pin them down a little bit more. And if we get can get enough information to support a separate check, I will pull that out and these can kind of run together. Um, if not, I will just say that, you know, for this check, we're primarily hitting on what Danny Holman said. Maybe we can follow up with, a, you know, an interim check or something like next week when they get back to us. Because I'd rather not just let them kind of be off the hook because they don't get back to us, you know, in time for deadline. Yeah, I agree. That sounds like a good plan. Okay, great. Well, um, John, I know you have a check that's uh, percolating for next week. Do you want to tell us about it? Yes. So I am pulling that up right here. I'm off my game. Usually I'll have that right away queued up. <laughs> um, so it's a kind of a two-in-one special. So buy one, get one free if you know our readers had to buy individual fact checks. <laughs> but the both of them have a common theme. Um, they're both around... Um, a lot of the current debate around gun control and Second Amendment rights. Um, the first one is a statement from Congresswoman Ashley Hinson that she made back on April 8th. Um, and this was following the Biden administration's executive order on gun control. Um, she said, with a stroke of a pen, the president would make it harder to purchase a firearm for self-defense and potentially make millions of lawful gun owners criminals so that will be one part of it and then let me get the second part fired up here okay so the second part was from governor reynolds as she said this on who radio um, I'm new to Iowa, so I don't know if people call it WHO or who, but either way, um, this was also from that same topic on April 8th. She said, there's not been another president, I don't think, in history that has implemented the number of executive orders that this president has implemented. So um, we'll be kind of doing a two-in-one check since they're kind of both pointing to the same thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what we can find on that. That sounds great. And obviously a very timely topic. Yes. Okay. Well, um, I think we were wrapped up for the day. And um, just to close us out, the fact checker is edited by Craig Jamulis, and our podcast is produced by Stephen Colbert. Our music is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. I'm Erin Jordan. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm John Steppy. I'm Marissa Payne. 
And until next week, we'll fact check you later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.